Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to The Burning Question. I'm Ben, and of course my co-host is Izzy. And today we are going to pick up the discussion from our last episode where we spoke about dreams, and we're going to talk about memory today. The two are very, very connected, and of course, us being two guys who know absolutely nothing about the subject, uh, we're going to try to decipher it a little bit, so it should be a good time. It's going to be good. I'm excited, especially after the last time's uh, Dreams podcast episode. Yeah, I think it, and, I think it was a very um, good discussion. It was. I loved it. It was. It was kind of long, but um, it is a it is a massive subject, and that's why we're basically splitting it into two episodes. Yeah, and continuing the conversation today. Yeah, I mean, I think like dreams and memory are something that you know, of course, are, are integral to all life, really. I think it because they are, well, memory especially more so because memory is a uh, is a record of um, of your experience. And, sure, and they go they go hand in hand. Yeah, and I think that it's uh, if you don't remember what you did, and this can actually uh, spin into a into a philosophical question. We'll try to remain on topic, but uh, yeah. So if you can't remember what you did, can you remember who you are? Can you truly know who you are if you deep. can't remember what you did? That's deep as fuck, bro. Okay, well, uh, we'll try not to get too deep, uh, but we will throw our um, our sounding lead into the deep, the bit of tallow, and we're going to start off actually defining what a memory is. So is he Let's do it. With? Yeah. Yeah, so according to our friend Wikipedia. Uncle Wikipedia. Uncle Wiki. He always comes through, doesn't he? He always Absolutely. fires it up. Yeah, don't listen to your profs. If they say they say don't use Wikipedia as a source, but if you go down to the bottom of every page, this is a pro tip. Uh, you can actually see all the citations. Of course, all the work cited, dude. So then you click on the work cited and you read those. And if anything, I think that uh, the Wikipedia is a great resource because uh, and we're not they're not paying for any sponsorships. Just want to put that out there. But um, yeah, like, if anything, you can I learn more from looking at the references than actually reading the page. Dude, before we get started, you know what's mind blowing? What's up? How Okay, maybe maybe it's because I don't understand how Wikipedia works, but isn't it crazy how everything is always so up to date on Wikipedia? Like someone could die, someone could die in like five, in like in an hour, and then like half an hour later, maybe less, mm. their their Wikipedia a famous person could die, and then in half an hour later. Their wiki page is updated. Have you, have you noticed that? Like, doesn't that blow your mind? Or do you know how it works? No, absolutely. And I, I think I might know somewhat about it. Excuse me. They have contributors, but they can't have that many. Like, and it's always well, so. Think well about it. They, right? they like, might have people who work for them. You know, they might have. It, it might be an entire community of people who sometimes, like you know, like for fun after work. Um they read about stuff kind of like us, you know, like 
when mm-hmm. all is said and done, we, like, we go out, we research, we look at the news, we see, we see what's happening. And, uh, yeah. So but you it, have to admit it. I mean, it is so well updated. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Absolutely. Most subjects are extremely detailed. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing with never get your info from Wikipedia, that's complete nonsense. And it's, it used to be easier before, like anyone could edit, but now if yeah, you're now trying you to edit, it's, um, sign up and you have to get approved or something yeah and your ip address will be visible and yeah yeah. so it's very um quality control right oh yes yes absolutely and i think because you know like there were a couple of times in the past where like someone would where people would go on raids and just change other people's profiles and stuff and i mean like don't get me wrong it was pretty funny but uh yeah it was like those. Like put uh, the Bible page under the under the um, fiction category. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, no offense to to any religious people out there, but yeah, I, I mean, I thought that was I thought that was kind of. I'm just kidding, but um, but yeah, no, I mean, anyways. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's another episode. We'll talk. We'll talk about uh, religious text. How Wikipedia works, Actor. dude. That's a good episode. How that would be a great one too. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. No, no, no. That's okay. But take it away. What's uh, what's a memory? So memory, memory is the faculty of the brain by which data or information is encoded, stored, and retrieved when needed. It is the retention of of information over time. For the purpose of purpose of influencing future action. If mm. past events could not be remembered, it would be impossible for language relationships or personal identity to develop. And that's according to uh, Michael Eisenick's Isenck's rather um, article. Yeah. Tension and arousal, cognition and performance. So this is uh, by the uh, Heidelberg Springer. Uh, or the Springer Berlin Heidelberg Press. Um, yeah. Highly suggest. Let's put this way. Take that and read it. But yeah. But yeah, that sounds super interesting. I was going to say, like, when it's put that way, you really do understand how important memory is. Mm, I mean, especially that second part of the definition where it says, if past events could not be remembered, it would be impossible for language relationships or personal identity to develop. I mean, those are instrumental. Those are like the main things of life. Absolutely. And I think that I guess for we're going to be mainly focusing on individual memory for this episode, but memory really can be split into two categories, right? You have individual memory, which, you know, again, is your thoughts, your experiences, everything that makes you you. But then there's also another stratum, which is the collective memory, right? And that's where, you know, a culture and laws that's where that comes out of right like you know the um every every nation has a has a founding myth right like you know mm-hmm. uh, again like let's say like to use the bible the uh, the exodus of the jews from egypt it's a very very Shocked. core um experience a core memory if you will of their um of their people same thing with uh uh, you know, with, with the founding of Rome, right? You know, Romulus and Remus shuckle, suckled by the she-wolf um, after being tossed into the Tiber. Again, um, 
so really like collective memory is just as important as individual memory uh, because it mm-hmm. does help to because if we didn't have that um then we would not have culture we wouldn't have societies and stuff like that but uh for this episode we're mainly going to be focusing on individual memory so because i think right. i think if we go into collective memory then that also becomes a topic of you know um yeah, objective, history objectivity stuff. and subjectivity and stuff like that because people remember things differently um and so on and so forth so we're gonna we're mainly gonna stick with individual memory and how exactly it works so who exactly studies memory so it's mostly uh neurologists neuro neuroscientists uh psychologists um mm-hmm. biologists as well study memory and um again really really important for um understanding like a combination of those yeah absolutely it's it's memory is very important because your memories are in essence the foundation of your self-determination right that's right so and then of course um when that becomes compromised as we'll discuss later then again that can lead to some serious um well to some serious uh Jeez, I'm forgetting the right word for it. Absolutely. Look at the. Let's just say it's a serious situation. It's a serious situation if your memory is compromised. And it can be very, very. um, Look at people with Alzheimer's. Yes. Yeah. Dementia, amnesia, even. And I mean, it's funny because we. Our bodies are so complex and our brain is so complex. And it's such a powerful, for lack of a better word, machine yet you know let's say if you um you're playing rugby you get tackled the wrong way and your brain gets scrambled a little bit you could lose your memory you know for a little bit or you can or if there's an injury to the brain like let's say you might have um uh let's say you fainted or something like that for for some reason and hit your head Again, you could uh, that has the potential to seriously damage the brain, and then when your brain gets damaged, so does your memory, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. very fragile, and it's funny how something uh, so important is so fragile. You would think that um, if we were designed anyway, that uh, it would be not as fragile if it's so important, but mm-hmm. it's, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I think uh, let's get into the mechanics or the mechanisms. Because you you were talking about, yeah. sorry, bro. I don't know. Go for it. Go for it. You were talking. You were talking about brain injury, and I remembered this thing. I remember watching this documentary on what's that um, American football player? What's his name? Uh, Daniel Hernandez. Is that what his name was? Something Hernandez. I think no, it was Daniel, Daniel Hernandez. Is uh, that uh, the guy who killed himself? Yeah, uh, it's nine. That's, no. uh, that's oh. Who's the Hernandez football player guy? Hernandez football suicide. Those are the only keywords I can think. Of. Aaron Hernandez. That's the thing. Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, I'm not talking yeah. about Takashi. He can die too, though. Um. <laughs> so in terms, of Aaron Hernandez. So I was watching a documentary. Oh, what? He was also a convicted murderer. 
Absolutely, yeah. I think he killed two guys or one guy. I don't know. Anyways, I think he got life or something, and then he well, he him. murdered Odin Lloyd, who Odin was Lloyd, yeah. the sister of his fiance. Either way, I think he played a full NFL season after having murdered someone, which is absolutely insane, right? But um, but that's not the point. I was gonna say the documentary also touched on um brain damage the mm. the the amount of football players um that suffer brain damage it's called cte cte which stands for chronic traumatic and encephalopathy yeah yeah, yeah. it's a neurodegenerative disease caused by repeated head injuries mm-hmm. uh symptoms do not typically begin until years after the injuries it can include behavioral problems and mood problems and problems with thinking mm-hmm. of course thinking um thinking it memories involved in thinking right mm-hmm. and what's interesting is they touched on that and you know the, this is a crazy stat go for it um i think it was over 99 percent of nfl players mm. have cte well it makes sense right like they 99 dude yeah. Like if you go into the league, you go into the league. Like you know that there's basically a hundred percent chance that you're gonna um, come out of it with brain mm-hmm. damage. Isn't that crazy? Well, with I mean, some it sort of brain sense. injury. Even though, even though they wear those helmets, right? I mean, think about the armor that you're wearing, and think about the way that they tackle. Um, and also consider that not all of the helmets are a perfect fit, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them might be a little bit too tight. Some of them might be a little bit too loose, right? So again, and when you're getting hit and your helmet hits hits the ground, then there's that little bit of space there where your your head hits the helmet as well, you know, and it's not Yeah, a, that like mini whiplash. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean like and as much as you can try to protect, wanna... it doesn't happen, right? It's the same thing with boxing no, too. It's hard. And I mean like look at um you know, we always hail these guys who have, you know, really great chins, the uh you know, the Muhammad Ali's of the world, the uh, the Jake Lamadas, the I'm trying to think of some uh, some guys this day. Kel Brook, even who's a um, who's a lighter guy, but again had had an amazing. Uh, I don't think it, like you know had an amazing capacity to take repeated punches. Um, it's dangerous. It really, really yeah, is. The human punching bag. I should also clarify it's not 99, it's 87%. 87, yeah. Because I was going to say, I think that's, that's pretty. Yeah. But even eight, 87, dude, isn't that high? That's so yeah, high. That's very, very high. Yeah. Yeah, it's 87. Uh, yeah, anyways. It just reminded me, we were talking about brain injuries or um, trauma. I don't know what you're saying, but it reminded me of that. No, absolutely, yeah, and, and I mean, of course, these. Uh, I th- it does say here that uh, that CT does have problem. Like you do develop, um, you know, like you you can develop Alzheimer's from that, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 and uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's it's sad to be honest. Absolutely. And that's why it's super important that, um, you know, you, you keep your head <laughs> quite literally and, um, yeah, 
exercise your brain and make sure that uh, that don't go into fights needlessly is what I'm saying. But also don't back down from yeah. them because uh, you, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. want anyone scrambling what's in your noggin. No, no, that's yeah. probably the most important part of your body. Yeah, it is the most important part of your body. You can, um, yeah. there, there are people out there who are operating, like who live with, um, you know, bypasses on all four valves, their heart capacity, their heart is working at one fifth of what it should be. And they're still Crazy. alive. Right. Whereas, you yeah. know, if your brain is, you know, let's say, like, look at, look at the people who are in a coma or look at people in PVS, permanent yeah. vegetative state. Uh, yeah. The ones who are brain dead, but they're still alive. Are they still alive? Again, this is the yeah. this is the other. Um, uh, That's another philosophical one. Yeah, again, and and I mean, you know, but but let's roll with it, though. I mean, far from like, I mean, memory is really just the gateway into over into the brain overall, and I think that really, like, when when we understand how important it is. Not just from, you know, an intelligence perspective or something like that, but I mean, just it is the hub for your body. It regulates, it is the regulator. It controls everything. And it it controls so many things that we have no clue about, that we don't even know are happening in our body. It takes care of thousands of different processes. It gives the order to regenerate billions and billions of cells. It controls your immune response and it's doing this all at the same. It's processing the stimulus around you. So it's taking the light that's going inside of the eye and transforming that into an image that we can understand while simultaneously regulating your hormones while simultaneously digesting your food, your arm to scratch that itch on your forehead. And you do all of this and you have no clue. That was all happening at the same time. That was was beautiful. I wonder how much Ram a human brain has. (laughs) I I feel like I've seen that somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've seen that somewhere. Like I've, some sort of dumb Instagram page, like just facts. <laughs> of course, it's blunt, bruh. Something extremely evidence based. Yeah. Slash sarcasm. Absolutely. But um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the to the original topic, like memory itself is um just one small process that the brain takes care of. But I would argue that it is one of the most important because it keeps you alive. Yeah. It keeps you alive and it keeps Absolutely. you functioning too. Because if you didn't have memory, like they said, you wouldn't have, let's forget identity for a second. Um, you wouldn't be able to speak. You wouldn't be Absolutely. able to read, write. You wouldn't be able to know you how to be able to ride. You wouldn't be able to love your loved ones. You wouldn't know what water was, you know, you'd have to learn that over and over and over again. How do you Um, cherish your experiences, your past experiences? Well, that's it, right? 
I would say that that the memory function of the brain is essential to what makes humans human. And I think that even though other organisms can have memory, I think that ours is much more developed than uh, than the majority of life on this planet. Like there are, yeah, our stuff is sophisticated. That, like you know, there are a couple of, and they are mostly mammals that have uh, a memory system that is uh, maybe a little bit less devel- a little bit less elegant than ours, or some are even mm-hmm. on par with us. Um, like, uh, and it brings to mind the uh, the cetaceans, like dolphins and orcas, and and all that they're fantastic communicators and they know exactly where to go for their uh for their hunting they know where to go for their breeding um they have their own language and mm-hmm. just a little aside it's funny because they, they are such great community they argue they're arguably better communicators than we are they're completely in sync with each other and it is yeah. funny how how much more vicious they are and how oh, yeah. do they rape? Oh yes. Well, not only that, I, I mean, let's say a, um, let's take dolphins. Got a rape culture. <laughs> yeah. They, they truly do have a rape culture. They they'll have a pod of young males going around anywhere from three to 25 dolphins. And they will, you know, they'll kill it. Will sometimes they'll like if a calf gets separated from its mother, they will uh, take the young calf and they will essentially use it as a sex toy. Um, It's very, very brutal, but yet it's their communication system is so elegant. And I think, and it was one of my professors actually in university that, uh, that posited um, this motion towards us is that the more effective a communicator you are, the more violent you are. Wow. With regards to like uh, not individuals, but a um, but a species, the better Why they're able to communicate, the more violent they are. Because, and I think the reason for that is is because communication is a sign of intelligence, right? And again, this this loops back into memory and in that like you need to have a very very strong and well developed memory process in your brain in order to yeah. communicate effectively to truly decipher all of the nuance, um, all the idioms of a, of a method of communication, all the ins and outs, little tricks, and to be able to develop it too, to be able to recall something from, me- from memory and to spin it into something completely new. And I think that especially with the Cetitian species like dolphins and orcas and stuff and how fantastically violent they are, I think that because they communicate so well, they are able on another level to truly like that. Like they've taken care of the base communication need. There's no, like, I think they, they all have such a highly developed sense of communication that nuance doesn't play a part anymore because it's already nuanced. And I, I mean, this is just me talking on my ass right now. But I think that, I mean, you, you look at a herd of, uh, of wildebeest, right? 
not really good communicators or let, let's you know what let's not let's not even take them let's take a pride of lions right yeah they don't really like they they coordinate their hunts but they won't really go out of their way to attack something unless it encroaches on their territory right whereas yeah. you know these marauding dolphin ponds will actually go out and actively seek out violence and mm-hmm. i think and I think it's because they can. I think it's because on some level they are intelligent enough that they know that, and they are so in sync with their group that they can they can get up to just about anything. Honestly, I think they do it because they're bored. Dolphins, eh? Yeah, dolphins, uh, orcas. Um, well, geez, even look at chimpanzees. They have a fantastic sense of communication as well. Um, and the political structure as well is very, 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 um, complex and very, did you study this? Was this part of sort of part of your, um, biology degree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's that's so cool. And you, you, you look at how similar they are to us how they have different hierarchies and different strata and how someone who you would think, Oh yeah, they're, you know, C tier, not terribly important on an individual way, but if they can gather enough support across all the strat, all the other stratas, they can influence, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not to mention yeah. chim- like chimpanzees are in their own stone age right now. They've been seen using stone tools to kill to they're making rudimentary traps for the smaller in a few in a few years they'll have their own uh they'll release their very own iphone (laughs) no i think it'll take some quite some time in order for that to happen who knows it might it might not ever happen because our stone age lasted for so long um but yeah they again remarkably good communicators and they have a capacity for memory as well that is almost as good as ours. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. Like they they know, they can recognize faces. They can and surprisingly enough, speaking of memory, another animal that has very good memory that you wouldn't think does, but that also has who whose memory function and whose whose brain, despite not being a mammal, is the ant. No. It's a, oh, damn it. it's a crow. No way, the crow? The crow is one of the most intelligent animals, intelligent life forms on this planet. Wow. Yeah. I have no idea. They, they also, they use tools as well. They've been seen uh, taking sticks and spearing um, grubs inside of logs and then pulling the wow. uh, pulling them out. Because their beaks can't reach in, they've also um, they've also been observed playing. Uh, like the there are some crows in Russia. Once everything is done, they uh, they hop uh, they hop off a branch and they roll in the snow. Wow! Um, and and when an uh, when an organism plays, that's a sign of intelligence as well because all of, because they're very efficient and they're very in sync all that but speaking with regards to the memory aspect and we're getting way off topic here um but yeah crows can recognize a face for up to seven years so let's say if you chuck a rock at a crow that's going through your garbage 
or whatever. Um, and they and their murder of crows is nearby. It'll actually tell the other crows that that happened. So then the next time that it sees you, and if it's with a couple of his buddies, they'll all attack you. <laughs> and it's really, it's really, really funny. Um, Dude, it sounds great. so absurd, but um, no, that's great. Very, very intelligent. Um, and it's funny because like lots of other cultures um, knew that too. Like the, um, uh, well, I mean, even our, even the natives in, uh, especially up north uh, here in Canada, uh, the crow was always a uh, symbol of wisdom, almost the trickster, uh, if you want. Well, I guess it wasn't a crow, it was a raven. Kind of the same yeah. thing, except fairly different yeah but i mean they're they're corvids but um yeah so that includes you know crows ravens rooks jays like blue jays magpies tree pies chops nutcrackers they're all very very intelligent interesting and they and the the crazy thing is right before we go back to it speaking of memory is that yeah. they uh, demonstrate well especially european magpies they demonstrate self-awareness in mirror tests huh. so they know that they're looking at themselves that's crazy look we're so we're so disconnected from um from nature it's and, funny that um, animals that aren't domestic what? domesticated dogs or cats we're so disconnected what makes you say that like, what do we, like, how come I didn't know any of that? You know? Well, I could say the same We're thing. Just out but, here. You know, your, your degree, like, how come I don't know uh, fluid mechanics? Yeah, but I don't know. You'd expect that to be, like, we should know more. Dual. We should know more about the, the organisms that are, that are living on this planet with us. Don't you think? I mean, I, I think it, it definitely has value. And I think that, well, at least something that I encountered a lot um, within, I guess, my field of studies, that there's a very, very big emphasis, especially if you're looking at organisms. Um, yeah. it, like, if you're studying cell and molecular, that's sort of the creme de la creme, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you don't just want to be like, you know, a lowly zoologist, God forbid, a botanist. Um, mm -hmm. even then, if you're, uh, if you're a zoologist, most of the money for species conservation and research goes towards mammal species. Mammals mm. comprise only about less than half a percent of all life on earth. And yet 99% of the funding goes to like for research goes to mammal species. Um, now you can rationalize this in a, in a way to say that, okay, well they are the closest related to us. And if we really get to know what's on the go there, then we can branch off and see where we actually came from. Yeah. But part of me also thinks that like, I mean, there are so many other, uh, other species out there that have such a massive effect on, uh, you know, on the whole biosphere 
on the whole earth. Um, again, you know, you have a cyanobacteria, which I consider to be the most perfect organism ever. Um, it hasn't changed in 3 billion years because it doesn't have to. It uh, reproduces by fission. It forms colonies. And not only can it gain nutrients from its environment, but it's also photosynthetic. Um, the ultimate organism. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I've seen colonies of them under, under a microscope. I'll, I'll send you one just so that you can, uh, you can look at the shapes that they make. Yeah. Hit me. I mean, it's, It's beautiful. How did we even get here? <laughs> we were talking about memory. And look at us. Memory and it's... Uh... Right. Oh, wait. Yeah, memory. I need to work on my memory. Yeah, naturally. We all do. Um, but yeah. So we introduced the study of memory. Did we, we did that, right? Yeah. It's basically there. cognitive neuroscience, right? Essentially. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I just sent you that picture. They're they're perfect. They're absolutely perfect, and they fan out like that, much like leaves, wow. so that they can they can co- collect more sunlight. That's perfect. Crazy. They're perfect. And anyway, yeah. So we 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 digress. We we sort of took a really big meander through Central Park. And now let's, uh, I think we can get back to the different types of memory. So I think since I've been doing most of the talking, what type of memory, let's do a little activity. What type of memory was I um, exhibiting there when I was talking about? When you were talking about, um, that was long-term. Okay. What's long-term? I feel like like, like that was long-term just because. Actually, would it be a better idea if we started off with sensory memory? Yeah. Actually, sure. no, no. We'll start with long term. Why not? Okay, sure. Because you were just you were you, you, we were just doing that. Um, yeah, switch it up. So there are three types essentially. There's so everyone has these okay. long term memory, short term memory, and sensory memory. Okay. And. And we'll kick things off at the long-term memory. So Mm -hmm. the storage and sensory memory and short-term memory generally has a strictly limited capacity and duration, which Mm -hmm. means that information is not retained indefinitely. indefinitely. By contrast, long-term memory can store much larger quantities of information for potentially unlimited duration, Mm -hmm. sometimes a whole lifespan. Its capacity is immeasurable. For example... Given a random seven-digit number, one may remember it for only a few seconds before forgetting, suggesting it was stored in short-term memory. On the other hand, one can remember telephone numbers for many years through repetition, and that information is said to be stored in long-term memory. So that information that you were, the the biological stuff Mm -hmm. that you were recalling from your your degree, that's long-term memory because you practiced it, you memorized it, you studied it over and over. Mm-hmm. And and it got stored into into your long term memory, and that's the reason why you still remember it. Mm-hmm. But then you have uh, short term memory, 
where, um, which is also called working memory. Okay. What's and that? it allows you to recall for a period of several seconds to a minute without rehe- without rehearsal. So you see something once and you can recall it for um, another few seconds or up to a minute. So like someone's name, for example. Yeah, usually someone's name or, I don't know, walk, walking around, you see a store name, you're, you're, you're at the mall, you see a store name, like you just glance over and... Not to interrupt, but like that, that always interests me. You know, you know how you have those, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I kind of, uh, I can't really stand it when, when people, uh, when people say this, you know how they say, oh, my, I'm terrible with names. And yeah, I always yeah. say, but you're probably really good with faces, right? I'm like, yeah, how did you know? Like, oh my God, yeah, I'm great with faces. I'm just terrible with names. I'm like, maybe it's because I, you know, I see someone and I hear their name and very, very usually, unless they're completely unmemorable, um, I'll remember their name or I'm, or I'm very drunk. Um, but yeah, it, it always, I always struck that as weird. Why is it that people are better with faces than they are with names? I guess it's because for, for when, when you're looking at someone's um, when you're talking to someone, I mean, you're, you're looking at them constantly. I mean, you're there, you really get to have, get a good look at them. And whereas a name, they tell you their name. It's like a split second thing. Oh, Hey, my name's, my name's Bob. And that's it. Like, then you move on to the next thing, like, hey, Bob. Going, whatever, you know what I mean? It's, hey, Bob, you know, it's, it's such a quick thing. Like, Hey, my name is Bob. It's, it just ha- kind of happens super quick. Whereas, you know, you're talking to him, you're looking at him, you're, you notice the, you notice the pimple on his face, you notice the hair, you notice like his height, you notice what he's wearing, you know what I mean? But the name is checking him out a second, you're checking him out, but the name is like a split second piece of information that he sends your way and it's like, oh, whatever, okay, then it's well, and then you're back to analyzing what he looks like and, um, and just analyzing his vibe, his body language, his tone, his verbiage. Um, that that could be why, you know. Okay, interesting. But um, in terms of so in terms of short term memory, um, I'll stay on that for a sec. So it's it's yeah, go for it. its capacity its capacity is also very limited. Mm-hmm. So in in 1956, George A. Miller, when working at Bell Laboratories, conducted ex- experiments showing that the store of short-term memory mm-hmm. was uh, seven plus or minus two items. And, uh, I don't know what that means. It's how does Yeah, Wikipedia. I think you fucked up with that one. But anyways, modern estimate modern estimates of the capacity of short-term memory are lower, typically of the order of four. Oh, I guess what they're saying is okay, is that you can only remember your short-term memory only remember allows you to remember seven things at once, plus or minus two. Right? So you, it's like it ranges between five and nine. Like you can only remember. Okay. You can only remember between. So and I guess that's why I think I did read this somewhere a while ago. 
That's why they split phone numbers into groups of three to four digits. Because right. phone numbers are, are phone numbers are nine digits, right? So, no. no, the ten digits, right? Yeah. Ten digits, yeah. Well, eleven. So, if you count the you know, country the code. one or whatever the country code. Um, but but if yeah, so if ten, if you were to group them all together, it's it's ten digits, and mm. and that, that that's above the um the five to to nine item yeah memory store that your brain allows you and and so that's why they split uh phone numbers into into three groups right you have like six one three you know whatever one two three and four seven nine two um and it allows you to remember no i made sure i made sure i was i was actually about to so the viewers can hit me up but um but yeah the grouping allows you to um better recall it remember better remember everything and um and so yeah that's what they're saying here you can remember between the average is seven but it's between five and nine and and then here it says Modern estimates of the capacity in short-term memory are lower. So apparently, so that seven plus or minus two items is um, a 1956 number. So that's old school. But what they're saying here is that today, nowadays, people only remember between four to five items. At a time, they only store four to five items in their in their short term memory. Why do you think that is, um, dude? It's because everything, things like social media, things like you know, we don't we don't have to remember anything nowadays. Well, like, let's take social out of it because I think that it's. Um, I mean, while I while I do agree, it, uh, okay, we're we gonna take tech on too because I was gonna give an. It's it's like it's like that you know uh, when George W. Bush was president and every, and everyone was making George W. Bush jokes like five times a night to prove that they were smarter than than the president, but they actually weren't. They were just as dumb. Um, so, so are we going to take tech out of it as well? Well, no. It's like tech is not tech is that's one, what's different. Social media right? I would say yeah, sure. More so, for example, like, okay. Like, I have an example. I have an example. Like what? Autocorrect. Like people are. Sure. Are worse spellers now than they were 20 years ago. Why is that? Is because we don't write on paper as much as we used to anymore. Now your phone and most of your uh, most of your computers they either they have some form of autocorrect or Grammarly or whatever else because grammar and spelling have now become too inconvenient. They like we don't need to remember that. But what are we filling our brain with? You know, just caches and caches of, Dude, useless, of, in, of useless information right and i guess that's where the social media is. but yeah and then another thing another thing after how many times you've spoken to someone like you were exchanging numbers with someone and they did they were like oh dude i don't even know my number that's happened to me so many times yeah that's like not me like i remember my number but that's crazy like, people don't even remember their number nowadays because because Mostly it's younger right there, dude. You, you, 
but yeah, like what I mean is like you just go to your you just go to your phone app and there it is, like right at the top that you see your number. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I'll just text you. You know, like they do yeah. people don't even exchange numbers anymore. They just go, dude, I'll text you. Or I'll add or whatever. You. Or I'll Facebook you or I'll add you on Facebook or anyways, like those little things, like people don't have like the thing is people don't have to it's not a necessity anymore to remember things. Yeah. Remember when phone books were a thing? When like like did your parents ever have a like a phone and an address book? I do. Like whenever they need. I do, to man. I, bro, I, bro, I remember. I remember seeing the world's strongest man competition. Hmm. I don't know if it was a world world strongest man competition. It was an event. It was some sort of event, and they had like a. One of the events was, <laughs> they had to like they had to tear a phone book in half. <laughs> yeah. And dude, I was a little kid. I was like twelve, so I was like, I tried to grab, I grabbed my mom's phone book, and I, dude, I was there for like an hour trying to rip that thing in half. Did you manage to get at least a couple pages? No, because the, the thing is, like, what they were doing was ripping the whole thing. Like, they weren't doing it page by page or even groups of pages. Like, they were taking that whole thing, that entire fucking yeah. phone book, and ripping it in half as if they had ripped one page in half. Ah, I you see. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, player. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. And um, failed miserably. <laughs> What about now, after uh, after years at the gym? You think you could do it? At least get a couple pages? At least make a rip. With the right technique. Yeah. Dude, maybe with a um, with a YouTube tut. <laughs> fire up a, I'll, I'll fire up a YouTube tut. Dude. <laughs> and I See, even that, I'm, I'm sorry. Just I'm sorry to stop you. Even that. For those of you who don't know, a YouTube tut is a tutorial. <laughs> We're now resorting to more abbreviations and shortened words because, again, we can't be bothered to remember it. It's because everything needs to be now, now, so fast. Um, And I and I think honestly, it it does have an impact on our memory because uh, for the negative, because it's I don't know. It's hard to describe, and maybe I'm just not finding the right words currently. I mean, we're talking about memory. Go figure. Um, I think, ultimately, it's going to put us at a worse position cognitively because our brains aren't being exercised in that fashion anymore. How are they being exercised? Are they just being hooked up to a dopamine circuit? Or are they actually being you, or is that available processing space freed up in order to actually do something? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like, and I don't think that is our it, potential still there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, I have a feeling that because we advanced as far as we did, but we didn't really fully understand it. We just sort of sacrificed our understanding for the sake of convenience. Um, it's put us in a position where we're going to see, where I think we're going to see a decrease in cognitive potential and cognitive plasticity. So that meaning that all about humanity's life. I mean, by plasticity, meaning that, you know, we're our brains will be less flexible to grasp new things 
and yeah. it, we won't be able to improvise as much. And I mean, they, they usually do say that um, your brain uh, loses the majority of its plasticity by the age of 25 um, mm-hmm. because that's when it, it stabilizes and everything sort of goes around normal. And I mean, um, I mean, pretty much up until then, uh, you can't be counted on to make a, uh, you know, a completely rational decision. Um, just because, again, your brain's not fully developed, right? Like, a, like a a ten year old can't make, uh, you know, they they probably can make a couple rational decisions, but again, they're just a kid. They don't have that experience. Their brain's not done developing. They might be starting puberty, so that's throwing a whole bunch of different chemicals into the mix. Um, so yeah, in the yeah. mix, yeah, into the mix. So I think, and I mean, I mean, it's not to say that someone's stupid. Far from it. It just like again, you haven't realized the majority of your cognitive potential yet. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it means that your brain is still plastic. You can still fill it up. It's still a sponge at that point. So, like, t- think think of it as think of your brain as a sponge, and then for twenty five years, you're trying to soak, soak, soak up as much water as you can, and then here's your twenty five. You take it out, and you leave it yeah. out, and that's it. Like that's essentially what your brain does. Um. And yeah, and I think that because of these crutches that we have now, um, with autocorrect, with, um, geez, even with biometric uh, passwords and stuff like that, like we don't even need passwords anymore. You can either you can just use Touch your ID or your uh, yeah your fingerprint. Um, yeah. Again, I, th- I think it, it's it's the little things that are going to like they're going to build up more and more and more and more and more. And then they're going to leave us worse off because it's almost as if we took a step, you know, we went so far ahead to create all this technology. And then we just, you know, missed about three steps and we're back. Just we're, we've only advanced like a little bit farther than where we were. You know what I mean? So like the net progress isn't that much. Right, because we didn't fully mm-hmm. understand. Um, because, like I said, yeah, we sacrificed understanding for convenience. But there's still hope. Absolutely, we could still um, still t- turn things around. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're we're entering um, a new phase in that people are understanding the detriments of social media mm. and um tell that to all like, for example people well i'm just saying like things like um things like dating apps right yeah well you you um, in your own right that's right that's right and but but the reason why we did do that was actually kind of in line with what we're talking about right now in that you know, dating apps aren't even being used for dating anymore. It's all just people just download the apps for entertainment, essentially, at this point. Yeah. Either entertainment or Bro. just uh, hes- hesitantly 
test the waters mm. or you know like nobody's there to make any kind of meaningful connections yeah maybe some validation here and there or or bumble even and you get a bunch of matches right you don't even have to message them like you get all these matches and you think like whoa hey like what a stud like whoa yeah and then you delete the app and you're good to go yeah and it's just like yeah like you got your confidence for the month yeah that's it and it's uh it's kind of sad really like yeah i mean people are starting to recognize these kinds of things and stuff but i don't know it's that day is done I feel. Yeah, no, I feel that. And yeah, I think people are starting to recognize this kind of stuff and um, opting for more, like slower, more mindful ways of connecting. Hmm. And like people, like for example, all these social media apps have now implemented things like, um, like you can go in and see how much you can go in and see your screen time, the amount of time you spent on that app that day. Yeah. And you can set a reminder at like an hour. If you don't, if you want to, if you want the app to notify you at an hour, be like, yep, your time's up. You can't use this app anymore. Yeah. I don't trust that though. For the day. Because. Anyways, like... But that's not what I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's good, like it's good or whatever. I'm just saying that like the, um, there is a shift. There's, there's a, we're entering a new phase. Mm. You know what I mean? In that you know, everyone is starting to, everyone's a little bit more aware in terms of yeah. their consumption of, of this stuff. People are waking up. Um, and I know that's a term that's been used by a variety of different groups, but I, I think it really is. Hashtag true. woke. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think people really are waking up to the fact that it is harmful, that they, we don't really have real connection anymore. Um, and that's why I'm really have I feel bad for the Zoomers because they've been relegated to well, or I shouldn't say relegated, they've been corralled into TikTok. Corralled. Uh, yeah, no, I, and it, it's really sad by their uh, by their teachers, by their parents, hell, even by you and me. Corralled. Yeah, no, it's it's very very sad because they. Um, they're born with iPads in their hands. They, they're very, very savvy with it all. But again, like because they have that, and because again, you know, the general trend of family in this country and in others as well that are, I guess you could say, post-industrial, um, it's that the family is now considered less and less important. Um, Absolutely, and a. And that, so. that comes as a, uh, a, you know, as a as a loss overall, because um, yeah, again, there, there's no connection, there's no community, there's no one you can fall back on. So where yeah. they go, they're gonna go onto the one space where they can be edgy, and even their yeah. parents don't yeah. want them to be edgy. There's ah, you're just being a weird teenager. <laughs> Teachers are like, oh well, you must have some sort of a problem. Uh, and they're going to get judged for it. So really, TikTok's the only way that they and kids are meant to be edgy. They they all they constantly push the boundaries. They're still learning, right? Their brains are still developing. So they always go yeah. to the, they can only go to that one place where they can really express themselves. Um, and then yeah, like big corporations and shit. Even the government's on it now, and they're targeting these young kids 
to be a specific way, but I think that the that the pendulum definitely is swinging. Um, lots of them are expressing an extreme dissatisfaction with the way that things are right now. I think we're going to see a rise yeah. in um, isolationism for sure, um, in protectionism. I think that because they're going to be so connected um, online, like they can, they can communicate with someone in Hong, someone here in Newfoundland can connect with someone in Hong Kong. No problem. Uh, No need for an open border there because the internet's an open border. You know what I mean? Like they can can just as easily communicate like that. So I think there are, you are going to see a little bit more of uh, there. They are going to be for lack of a better word, a little bit more conservative in the sense that um, they will reclaim their uh their place in the world and oh, I hope so. in the spaces and i mean i'll like i will be there to support them 100 percent. and i and we all really should be because for future generations anyway um and we're, and we're not just talking about uh, uh you know like kids here we're talking about kids everywhere um it's really important yeah. it's really important that they that they are allowed to be kids and that they're allowed yeah. to explore and that they're allowed to be offensive and that they're allowed to learn because that's the only way that they remember what's good and what's bad. That's the only way that they develop that sense of identity yeah, and yeah. perfectly with our, um, uh, with our memory conversation, because For sure. let's, uh, I'm, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put this question to you. If there's no experience, can there be memory? Mm, no. Like if you deny someone the ability to experience some something, what are they going to remember? They're not going to remember that, oh, the experience that we prevented them from doing is bad. Yeah. They're going to remember, oh, you prevented me from having this. You prevented me from mm. learning. And then that sort of, that triggers, and this may be fallacious, but that triggers a sort of a grass is greener mentality they're like oh like what's on the other side of the fence let's see yeah. how edgy i can be and so, and so on and so on so that's why i really don't like you know like there's there's too much politics everywhere and there's too much um rigidity under the yeah. guise of freedom and under the guise of the and there's this thinly veiled authoritarianism under the guise of compassion and oh we're just you know we want our kids to to be safe, but no, like let them reclaim their, their experience. Let them reclaim their memory. Let's, let's help them, you know, improve their memory, improve their experience. Let's help them grow as human sure. beings. And they need to, they need to be able to do that by going out and being kids, by skinning their knees, by, you know, telling a joke that they shouldn't have told by, you know, getting into a fight that they, probably shouldn't have gotten into by you know failing a course they're not even allowed to fail anymore (laughs) because it's illegal for for a kid to fail school now yeah i I feel bad for them i do but they are strong they're so so strong And, and you know what i have all the faith in the world that um that they're gonna be just fine and they're they're gonna pull this uh, this planet back, and they will create some great memories doing it. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. 
I'd, I'd say they will. They're they're entertaining, that's for sure. Oh yes. Anyway, so let's jump into um, a little bit off topic. Already at an, yeah, let's. Uh, we're, we're already at an hour, so how about let's? Yeah. Well, let's go, let's through. go through the neuroanatomy of memory because I mean we we've been talking a lot about how you know people remember things and neuroplasticity and stuff like that. Let's okay. do we want to go over or do we, are we gonna have time to go over disorders and oh yeah uh, yeah yeah of course I mean we're all right fire it up yeah so let's go the neuroanatomy up, of man. memory so pretty much that we're we're talking straight anatomy here so there's of course as yeah. we know there's different Keep parts of the brain. So we're going to look at uh, cortical structures first, which is, so? you know, like the, the actual, the, the big part of your, your brain proper, all the big brain. Yeah. So of the course, you know, there are, there is the frontal lobe, the temporal lobe, the parietal lobe and the occipital lobe. So, they uh all of these work in tandem for with regards to your memory they like it's memory is not concentrated in one specific part i arguably the most important one is the frontal lobe because yeah. um but they all seem to work in conjunction here oh absolutely they have to right reading. um the frontal lobe is very important for working memory because um the frontal lobe is the one that coordinates the information, right? Yeah. So again, like for example, you know, when you're thinking about you about how to get to a mall that you've never been to before, you combine various little bits of your information that you already have. Let's say like the layout of the city that the mall is in, like the information from a map, uh, you know, where the one way streets are in that area. Yeah. Um, you know, talking or the directions that someone gave you. Right. So by mm-hmm. using all of that, you determine the best, uh, um, route to take. And that is what working memory is. And that is done in your frontal lobe. Right. So yeah. the, you have the temporal lobe. yeah, well, I mean, uh, one more thing about the frontal lobe as well. They're also involved in the ability to remember, uh, what we need to do in the future. So perspective memory. So like if you remember that you have to go to the store tomorrow to get soy sauce, your frontal lobe is doing that. But what so. if soy sauce has way too much sodium in it? What? But what if soy sauce has way too much sodium? It produced all kind like the boomers do. Um... <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> it's a terrible joke. All right, so the temporal lobe as well. So that's the region in the in the cerebral cortex that's beneath uh, the Sylvian fissure on both the, the left and the right hemispheres, right? So these lobe, the lobes in this cortex, they're associated with uh, autobiographical memory. So that's the recollection of your uh, of your life, right? Your own, your own, your own important events. And stuff, yeah, your own right? important events. Like you know, uh, you remembered when you first got laid, or your first kiss, or your first car, stuff like that, right? So the temporal lobes are also concerned with recognition memory. So this is the capacity to identify the item as one that was recently encountered. So again, so a little bit about recognition memory that the temporal lobe does. So. 
recognition memory has two components, right? So a familiarity component. So for example, do I know this person who's waving at me? Let's say if you were waving at me across the street and I couldn't really see your face, but it, you sort of look familiar. I was like, uh, do I know this person right here? And then the next part of it yeah, is the yeah. recollection component. I'd be like, okay, yeah, this is my friend uh, Izzy from uh, from high school, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, when, when this lobe gets, this is a very, very important part because, again, it's the determination of self. So damage to this lobe, it can affect you in a, in a wide variety of ways. Like, you know, your uh, auditory sensation and perception can be disturbed. Um, so can your selective attention of uh, auditory and visual input. Um, you can have yeah. visual perception disorders. Um, your organization can be impaired. Uh, your categorization of verbal material can can go yeah. wrong. Um, your language comprehension can be disturbed and your personality can be altered as well. Right. So with regards to just memory proper detrimental, um, extremely detrimental, but if your temporal lobe is damaged, it can also impair your long-term memory. So, um, so like the semantic knowledge of your, in the autobiographical sense. So like your, uh, of your childhood. Right. So like if you're, mm -hmm. If your temporal lobe is damaged, like you might forget, you know, that you had a, you know, a, a red tricycle that you used to ride around all the time. Like you make completely yeah. forget so on and so on. So then the parietal lobe. Uh, so, yeah, that's superior to the occipital lobe. So it's right behind the frontal lobe. Uh, it's got many functions and duties, but its main functioning can be divided into two areas. So sensation and perception. And then construction, constructing the spatial coordinate system to represent the world around us. So the parietal lobe pretty much um, is the one that is the part of the brain that analyzes all of the input that is coming into your body, either through your eyes and or through your ears or both. Right. So yeah. it pretty much maps. A, it's like the parietal lobe is where our HUD is. Interesting. So. And for all of you who don't know what a HUD is, it's heads-up display. Um, all right, so pretty much the parietal lobe also helps us to mediate attention when necessary, and it also provides us with spatial awareness and navigation skills. It also integrates all of our sensory information, so touch, sight, and pain, etc., to form a single perception. It gives us the ability to focus our attention on different stimuli at the same time. So, yeah, it also uh, assists with verbal <laughs> short-term memory. So, and, oh yeah, and damage to the parietal lobe can also cause short-term memory loss. So like you'll be able to remember, you know, who, who you are, but you just won't be able to, uh, to remember stuff in the short term, like your working memory might be impacted or at the same time, it also, um, well, you might end up like Dory in Finding Nemo. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, damage to, uh, to this, uh, parietal lobe can also cause the neglect syndrome where the patients treat a part of their body or objects in the visual field as though it never existed. Crazy. So damage to the Detrimental. left. Yeah. Damage to this left side of the parietal lobe can result in something called Gerstmann syndrome, which is a disorder that, um, you know, like you, you won't be as proficient in writing. You'll have difficulty learning and comprehending math. 
uh, you'll be unable to distinguish uh, your fingers on your hand and you won't be able to know what's left and what's right. So yeah, that's, it's very, 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 very detrimental. Uh, damage to the right side of the parietal lobe can also result in neglecting uh, the part of the body or the space, which can impair like many of your self care skills. So like you won't be able to dress yourself or wash yourself. You'll have difficulty sure. making things. Um, you'll have, uh, you know, denial of deficits or you won't be able to draw. I mean, I can't draw to begin with, but uh like oh, you'll find like if if someone to say like draw a circle, you'll find that difficult, right? Um mm-hmm. so yeah, that's very, very um, and then what's up what's next? The occipital. The occipital that lobe. So that's the uh this is the last one of the well, I think we'll just go with the uh with just the cortical structures. We'll leave the uh the hippocampus and stuff like that. We are sort of pressed for time. The hippopotamus? Uh, yeah, the hippopotamus. So the occipital lobe is the smallest of all these four lobes, right? It's located right at the rearmost um, part of the skull. So it sits directly above the cerebellum, which is the small little, it looks like a secondary brain at the bottom of your brainstem. Mini brain, I like to call it. Mini brain, yeah. But this is also the center of visual perception. So again, if your parietal lobe is the HUD, the uh, visual perception system behind it, the occipital lobe, that's the one that actually processes all that information and then puts it into the parietal lobe and which gives us a, uh, a spatial awareness like depth perception and stuff like that. Uh, okay. So, yeah, the most, Im- obviously that's its most important function. Um, it's not really susceptible to as much injury so, uh, but the, the common problems with it, like if it is, uh, if it does have a, if it is damaged, so you can have either field defects, um, you know, you won't be able to discriminate between movement, between some movements or some color. You might be able to, you might be hallucinating, you might have some illusions. Uh, you won't be able to recognize certain words or certain movements. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah. Again, not so much. That's interesting. Yeah, but like, like again, like you, because you don't have that, because it's compromised, you won't be able to, you know, even perceive what a, uh, like, let's say, if someone's, you know, in your periphery and like waving at you, you just, you just won't be able to do it, right? So, Damn. actually, you know what? I think we we we've got time for uh, for the subcortical structure. So that that was pretty much the big brain. So now the the smaller parts of the brain. So obviously, uh, the hippocampus is a really really important part of the it. Hippopotamus. Hippocampus. So this the is actually really important with regards to memory because this is the place where your cognitive maps are contained. Uh, this is the place yeah. where. Um, your memories are encoded are encoded as well. And what an encoded memory is. Um, so again, like memory has the ability to encode store and recall information. So encoding a memory allows the perceived item of use or of interest to be converted into a construct that can be stored in the mm. brain and later recalled from long-term memory. So that's pretty cool. That's almost like Very a, cool. uh, 
Yeah. Oh man. Thank you, hippopotamus. <laughs> I can't believe that we have something like that in our brain. It's it's really crazy. Um. So yeah, those are the two What's main that? ones that the that the hippocampus has. So your cognitive maps and a cognitive map is a um, mental representation. Uh, which serves an individual to acquire, code, store, recall, and decode information about the relative locations and attributes of phenomena in an everyday or metaphorical spatial environment, right? So um, Mm -hmm. very, very important. So like, again, as we're giving examples and as you're not able to see it, but you're able to hear it, your your cognitive map is uh, is already either putting words or images into your head to sort of structure that out, and that's a memory function. That's your cognitive map. Interesting. So then, uh, lastly, we've got the uh, well, or no, second last, we have the cerebellum, so the little brain, the mini brain, as you like to call it, right near the spinal mm, cord. The mini brain. Yeah. So unlike, so unlike the hippocampus, which encodes complex memories. The cerebellum plays a role in learning in the learning of procedural memory and motor learning. So skills requiring coordination or fine motor control. So playing an instrument, driving a car, riding a bike, so on and so forth. Um, So, yeah, this would be uh, known as explicit memory. So that's one of the two types of long term memory. The mini brain. Yeah, so very, very important as well. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, so the amygdala is located right above the hippocampus, and they are uh, they're associated with emotional learning and memory because it responds strongly to emotional stimuli, especially fear. So the they assist in encoding emotional memories and enhancing them. So pretty much like when, it, let's say if you, you're really scared of bats and then when you see a bat picture, your amygdala has already programmed, like you like, has already programmed an emotional response into that memory. So whenever you wow. see a bat now, it sort of kicks in. It's like, ah, so it is. It's crazy. So like it it does uh, the amygdala does its main purpose is to uh, condition the memory is to condition fear into you. Is to, it's mm-hmm. in charge of the memory of fear, but it's also it's very complex. It is very very complex. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot at once. But so I hope you guys will bear with us. But the amygdala as well is important in memory consolidation. So. Um, like putting, like putting the pieces, combining memories. Well, combining, combining emotional experiences and events, right? So they um, like these emotional experiences and events are very fragile, and they can take a while to be completely set into your memory. So the process, the slow process by which they are eventually turned into a memory, is called consolidation. But this also allows mm-hmm. emotions to influence the way that the memory is stored. Right. Interesting. So again, like arousal plays a really big part in it. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. So it's not necessarily in, like once it's encoded, it's consolidated as well. So that's that's crazy. And then lastly, the basal ganglia 
Uh, they're, My favorite. They're the group um, of nuclei. Basal ganglia. Yeah. They're what located a name, dude. At the, uh, right above the thalamus. And they're, right, they're connected directly to the cerebral cortex. And they're in charge of motor memory. So... Sports and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much like how you how you move and stuff. So if, if your baby gets damaged, um, you pretty much have dysfunctional learning of your motor and perceptual motor skills. So mm. again, like Parkinson's uh, attacks the basal ganglia, right? Yeah. So like how they're, how they're constantly going around it and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. So that's pretty much the neuroanatomy of memory. I'm sorry, folks. That's kind of a, that was a lot to take that in. Crazy. That was like a uni course. Like a yeah, course. really though. But, um, but yeah, the moral of the story is, is that all parts of the brain are involved in the memory process and memory itself is, is such a complex, complex thing that it really needs the brain itself needs to be sectioned off and to take care of different mm-hmm. parts of the memory process in order for it to seem seamless to us. So that's, that's crazy. It's crazy. Anyways, we might have wanna... to split this into three parts. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at memory disorders right now. And um, I did start just skimming through amnesia and, dementia and all that stuff well Again, let's pick a couple really interesting it's let's okay. pick a couple we can do talk. how about we do how about we do alzheimer's let's do alzheimer's sure, and yeah. amnesia hmm. all right so fire away alzheimer's so how about we start with amnesia because everyone's heard of that one yeah you go right. for it yeah so amnesia is a deficit in in memory caused by brain damage or disease Okay. But it can also be caused temporarily by the use of various sedatives and hypnotic drugs. The memory uh, can be either wholly or partially lost due to the due to the extent of damage that was caused. There okay. are two main types of amnesia: retrograde retrograde amnesia, What's that? which um, retrograde amnesia, and then anterograde amnesia. So retrograde amnesia is the inability to retrieve information that was acquired before a particular date, usually the date of the accident. So whatever oh. whatever event that caused the, the damage. But they can't remember anything before that. That's right. In some cases, the memory loss can extend back decades. So accident will happen, like whatever happened, like if the accident happened um, three months ago, then anything before that like i remember things from a month ago but i won't be able to remember things from three months back and up to decades before that so i may not even be able to remember things that happened to me when i was a little kid and anterograde anterior, anterior amnesia is the inability to transfer new information from the short-term store which we spoke about earlier yeah into the long-term store uh, people with anterograde amnesia cannot remember things for long periods of time. So that means, you know, from what I'm getting, yeah, is because because everything starts off as everything starts off anything that you learn, anything that you look at, anything that you store, starts off in your short term memory, from yeah. what I understand. Yeah, right? and then as you 
as you look at it repeatedly, as you as you say it repeatedly, as you're as you're exposed to it more and more, mm-hmm. it starts to enter your long term stores, long term storage. Okay. And so, from what I'm from what I understand, anterograde anterograde amnesia is the inability to transfer new information from short term storage into long. So you can't remember anything long term. So basically if you're studying for an exam or something, you're fucked. Like you're not gonna be able to remember. Unless you study like a minute unless you study everything a minute before the exam. And you won't remember a thing. all of that either. That's exactly crazy. anyways, like basically you won't be able to remember like you you won't be able to remember anything from for longer than a minute. After a minute you've you've forgotten everything. And people with interrogate amnesia so these two types so interrograde and retrograde are not mutually exclusive both can occur simultaneously which is scary as fuck no doubt um and yeah that's that's amnesia for you wow that is thoughts uh, thoughts on amnesia sounds fucked <laughs> like i don't i don't pity uh well rather I do pity anyone who uh, who has it because that's just that's crazy. Have you seen that movie um, Memento by Christopher Nolan? I have. Guy yeah. Fantastic film, first of all. Such but a good you movie. Imagine living like that. You can't form new memories. <laughs> yeah, that is. And I mean, obviously, they take liberties with the. Um... I love those mindfuck movies. Yeah, like I, I recently watched Inception. Uh, as well, like a couple weeks ago, that was yeah. a fantastic film. Um, yeah, I got to rewatch that. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I guess we'll we'll talk about Alzheimer's as well. Like, I mean, and Alzheimer's is. I, I want to preface this by saying, like, Alzheimer's is just a specific type of dementia, right? So, oh, is it? Yeah. So I don't know the real like the the broad category is dementia or going senile uh, and Alzheimer's is the, the main disease within dementia. It affect, it's the cause of about 60 to 70% of the cases. All right. So it's a neurodegenerative disease. So you, it starts off fairly slow, but then it gets worse and worse over time. Um, and essentially what happens is that your uh, brain matter starts to shrink mm. and you start to develop these empty spaces within your brain. So pretty much your your brain quite literally withers away. Um, wow. So you start to have like the earliest symptom is difficulty in remembering recent events. And then you start to have problems with language you easily get lost. Um, you can't care for yourself. Um, you stop. Uh, you stop remembering people, um, or you remember them. Scary. Else, it's almost as if you. And there are some cases where they actually regress into another another state. Like I mean, because you're memory storage has been eaten up only the like you know 
the the unaffected parts of the brain that hold specific memories those are the ones that you remember so let's say um i am a guy who was born in 1940 and we're 2020 right now and i have really really bad alzheimer's but it hasn't gotten to my to my long-term memory section yet i may Mm -hmm. perceive the world around me even though we're in 2020 as 1950 Mm. you know what i mean so it's really really it is very sad to um it's really a uh, crazy it's a nasty disease and it's the life expectancy is usually not too good you usually um only have you have anywhere between like three to nine years if you get it um wow yeah and the 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 poor or rather the shitty thing about it is is that it's mostly genetic so about 70 percent of the risk is believed to be inherited from your parents right yeah yeah. And, and some other factors though include like if you if you have hypertension yeah. Uh, so if you if you have very high blood pressure, that's another uh, risk factor. If you have a history of head injuries as well, that's um, that's another really big thing. Um, and yeah, it's really it's these are brutal, dude. It's very very brutal. And I mean, but th- this has been going on for for so long. And I think one of the reasons for it is because with our advances in medical technology is that we're learning how to help people live longer. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, Alzheimer's usually, you know, starts to develop at around 65. I mean, up until, you know, a hundred years ago, 65 was, was old. Like that was like, you're, you're living. Like you're right. rather you lived like it was unheard of if you were 80, like if you were 80, you were ancient. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's common. Mm-hmm. Like you see 80 year olds going around everywhere. All right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, especially here in, uh, in my home province as well, it's, uh, they're demolishing old schools and putting up retirement homes. That just goes wow. to show That's so many old people. Yeah. That goes to show how, uh, how old it's getting. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, expect a lot of it in the future and it's a terrible thing to say, but again, it, there's no, there's no real cure for it either. Yeah. From, from what I understand. Yeah, really. yeah. Like you, as soon as you, like if, if you're diagnosed with it, they're like the doctors pretty much say it's only getting worse from here because there's no way to replace that. There's no way to help the brain regenerate itself. But even if you did fill no. the empty space and even if you did help the brain to grow back, you would still have lost all that memory. So pretty much yeah. you regressed to the point where you ha- you would have to learn how to walk again. You would have to sometimes learn how to talk again. You would have to Crazy. create new memories. So in, in essence, maybe you would probably become a completely different person. That's getting that's getting the whole philosophy, philosophical part out of the way there. But yeah, like you would have you would essentially become a whole new person if that was possible, hypothetically speaking. Somebody make a movie out of this. <laughs> Actually, you should go <laughs> ahead, bro. 
I doubt it. Well, there is a, um, uh, it, it is interesting. There's a great movie somewhat related. It is with, I mean, I'm not a fan of Robin Williams, uh, but there is a, um, he did have yeah, a movie with Robert De Niro called Awakenings where he, uh, where this Robin Williams fellow plays a guy by the name of Oliver Sacks, who is a neurologist. And he actually worked on, um, on people who had, uh, something called encephalitis lethargica, which was sleeping sickness. So there was a mm. big outbreak in, uh, there was an epidemic between 19, uh, 15 and 1926 and like yeah. around 5 million people were affected. A third of them died. And then, wow. but there were survivors who just literally just went catatonic. Some of them never returned to, uh, to normal anymore, but there is a movie about, uh, uh, about that. And about how some, how one of the people uh, who's played by Robert De Niro um, actually manages to come out. He he manages to come up out of it, but again, completely different, uh, completely different person. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, and it's and again, like we said in the beginning, it's interesting how the. Um, the brain is so important and yet it's so surprisingly fragile. Insane. Right? So words of the wise. It's it's our it's our nucleus. Yeah, it it is it's what makes us us. Um yeah. people often say, Oh yeah, the soul's in your heart and no 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 like no. It's we're dispelling that outdated notion right now. It's in the noggin, dude. It's in the it's dome. In, it's in your dome, yeah. Just make sure you don't have a twenty-two to your dome, and you'll be fine. That's right. Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. wrap it up. I'd say yeah. So, anyway, guys, That's thanks crazy. for joining us. Uh, we did. We sort of meandered on that. But we took the uh, the road not taken, and uh, we tried to, I guess, uh, plot a new path through the inevitably dark and uh quite thick forest that is uh the study that was even more interesting than i thought it was gonna be but yeah no i mean i think it was a great discussion today so this sort of ends our little two-parter on uh dreams and memory next week we will be back with a new topic and what we're going to be doing henceforward is we're going to be uh we're going to be doing you know, a, a bigger topic, but we're going to be splitting it up in about two to four episodes, sort of like what we did with the, uh, with dreams and with memory. So just to sort of give it a little bit more of a flow, but also to, uh, because again, some topics are just too broad and we can't cover it in, uh, in an hour, an hour and a half. So, um, yeah. and of course we, I like this. yeah, this is a, well, we're going at what? An hour thirty-one right now, so we're uh, we are over time. 